0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website gracelife.com.au. So, I have the privilege of bringing uh, the word this morning, and um, we are actually starting a new series um, today, which is called Relationship Wrecked. So, in um, in prayer this morning, I asked Gary what, what what's coming out of prayer, and he talked a little bit about um, Jesus being our foundation, um, Jesus being our, our fortress. So, so that's some of the stuff that's been coming back up. And as we as we start talking about this relationship wrecked series, um, I guess for for everything that I'm going to share. This stuff doesn't work, it doesn't apply it doesn't really have much importance unless Jesus is our foundation otherwise we're going to strive it's a it's it's a place where and a call where we surrender to what He's calling us to because I really sense this morning that God is actually wanting to release some of us from the relational dysfunctions that we find ourselves in and the and and the Real vicious and negative cycles we keep finding ourselves in. So the title of my message um, is "Make Room for It," and I'm going to be using two specific texts of scriptures that I will um, that I will focus on. So the first one is in Mark chapter two. It's a famous one. So in Mark chapter two. From verse 1, it says again, He entered Capernaum, and after some days, I'm reading from New King James. (laughs) After some days, and it was heard that he was in the house, immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer any room to receive them, uh, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them, and they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was Carried by four men, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So, when they had broken through, they let him down. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like these? Who can forgive the sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning like this they, within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to some paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you ought to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified. God saying, We never saw anything like this. The second scripture that I have is from John chapter 6, and I'll read this as well. Oh, sorry, John chapter 5. Chapter 5, don't get ahead of yourself. Um, And so from verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. But there was in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel came down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew knew that he had already been there that in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps, steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately the man was made well. took up his bed and walked And that day was the Sabbath. So, when it comes to relationships, we all have one. And um, I want to preface everything that I'm going to say by this. Everything that is valuable within our lives is only... We, it only has as much value as the sacrifice that we're actually willing to make for it. We know that God values relationship, and so it cost him his life. That's how much he valued it, that he came into the world. He made room for us in, in his heart and actually followed it up with action. And so he came and, and it cost him his life. And so he calls us into the same, um, into the same steps and into that same mission to love others like he loved us. Interestingly enough as well, he, when he speaks to a crowd in Matthew chapter 5, he said, um, love others like you want to be loved. And then a little bit later on, he ups the ante with his disciples. One of his last commandments, he says, love one another like I have loved you. Because there's a difference between the love that we will want to get from one another and the love of God. Because the love of God will take everything. It will take everything. And so even leading up to Christmas, you think about it, um, a lot of people don't really want to make room for Jesus, even though they like baby Jesus and they want baby Jesus to stay baby Jesus and to not be adult Jesus who says, give me your life. And the reason why is because he takes up so much room. He takes up so much room. In fact, he takes up all the room and you won't have space for all the other things that you want. So he, he just wants everything. And so that sometimes can be the barrier, but Jesus is calling us to value the things that he's valuing. And relationships are one of those things that he places the highest value on. So it's only important as a room and the amount of room we're willing to make. In John 3.16, it says that for God so loved that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes might have eternal life and then he clarifies that by saying eternal life is knowing God. It's knowing God. It's relationship with God. And so we find ourselves in um and by the way we 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 know that God is relational because when Adam and Eve sinned the first question that God asked was where are you? I've just been disconnected relationally from you before he asked what what happened? What did you do? Right? And so um We find ourselves in this space, like Adam and Eve, where we have a lot of dysfunctional relationships, and the reason is because we are fallen, and Jesus is redeeming us, and so as he is redeeming us, he's also sending us to be the answer for other people who don't necessarily have such great relationships. And so why relationships because relationships are connected to something really key for every single human being and that relationships are the space where we find intimacy i don't know about you but there is such a there is such a call and a need for people to be deeply deeply connected to one another and it's and it's that intimacy you know jesus prayed that for us to be one with him like he was with the father to know the father like he knows the Father. And that's his prayer for us today. And you see, so if relationships make room for intimacy, where's the stumbling block? Sometimes the stumbling block is that a lot of people stop at connection. Connection is, hey, how you doing? How was your week? But I'm not actually going to share enough of what's happening with, with within my soul. I'm not going to share the conversation that's going on inside of my heart because I can ask you how your week is, how the family is, and we can stay like that, and then I'll see you next week. Connection is not intimacy. Connection is a doorway to intimacy, but it is not intimacy, so don't stop there. Connection doesn't require commitment of you, because if I see you week here, week there, it doesn't matter if I disappear. It actually doesn't matter. That's what connection does. It keeps us at surface level. Connection, as well, keeps the idea of relationship there. We could go so deep, bro. You and me could, you know. It keeps the idea alive, but never truly re- giving us the space to attain and to reach for it. And, you know, to go to, go to the level where it's intimacy, you're going to need courage because you're gonna need to be vulnerable. Intimacy makes problems and challenges disposable. Connection makes you run at the side of problems. You run from people, right? That's what connection does. Connection keeps you clean and untouched by other people's lives. It gets messy. And while intimacy is forged inside of the mess and the challenges, it, it, it makes relationships bigger than actually the problems. I got to tell you, this is actually a little bit harder uh, for me to actually talk about because I'm a solitude guy. I I I, I have the best of both worlds in in some sense. Um, in that I am incredibly like social. Like I will socialize till the cows come home. But then I will also um, Although I haven't seen cows coming home lately. Uh, but I will also really benefit from time alone. And sometimes I can get so lost in my world that you've got to yank me out, you know, like forcefully. So I get the best of both worlds. And so this is a little bit rough for me because um, as I'm going through this with God, he's, He has been and He is also speaking to me about like, he, it, it means that, you know, when I talk about the fact that intimacy... Uh, means that I have to rub my life up against somebody and get messy. <sighs> <laughs> right? You know, one of the words as well that's used for love is is um, the kind of love that's sticky. I mean, you ever been to Australia when it's sticky and hot? It's gross. But that's what we're called to we are called to rub each other the wrong way intimacy is built on the foundation of trust you earn trust over time and and, and you guard it um, to to be able to guard trust you've got to take deliberate and intentional effort right so we have to choose to act and to think and to behave in a way and believe in a way that is going to allow us to have. Relationship with others. The whole idea of this Relationship Wrecked series is working with God to navigate towards healthy relationships. That's what Pastor Josh gave us as the mandate of, hey, if we're going to give people anything, it's tools. It's help them to see what is it that they can do to navigate with God, to work with God towards working towards healthier relationships. And the call is in, is into intimacy, where we find the deepest joy, where you find people that you will walk with forever and into eternity. And the, idea, and the idea is this, like Pastor Scott said to us, is that it's the eternal, it's the eternal perspective that's where we place our minds, that affect our internal reality and is outworked with one another. It's not the other way around, because connection will say, See ya. I want to keep my internal world clean, free of all of your junk and mess. (laughs) But that's how you will feel when you get rubbed the wrong way. Um, You will cry, and I will tell you a story. (laughs) Praise God. So... There are three three specific perspectives that I believe are going to be key and helpful in helping us to have to be able to work with God, so that we can enjoy um, we can enjoy healthy relationships. And there are these three keys: responsibility, commitment to community, and submission to one another. There is a really clever, smart, um, sort of social commentator from a Melbourne church who I've listened to. And he talks about the three things that that we need to be able to flourish well. Uh, One of them is freedom. The other one is community. The other one is meaning. And so he says, um, currently in our way of thinking, because it's influenced very strongly by the enlightenment, um, the enlightenment thought, which says, have unlimited freedom. We don't understand that in order for us to enjoy relationship, we need to give up some of those freedoms. But not a lot of people want to give up freedom, and yet we all want relationship, the kind of relationship that's life transforming. And so with that, it it means that we, uh, so he talks about these reservoirs. He calls them reservoirs um, of meaning. Like if you have a lot of meaning, you'll find your life fulfilling and thriving. If you have deep relationships, you find your life fulfilling. If you have freedom, you'll find your life fulfilling. And so he says, for me to enjoy relationship with my spouse and children, it means that I have to restrain myself, create boundaries around myself of how I'm going to treat other people around me. Like, I'm not going to treat every single person like I treat my spouse because we don't have that level of depth of intimacy. And so We create boundaries to allow us to relate and to have healthy relationships and to have intimacy. So, the secular thought says, be unaccounted, be unaccountable, um, and and be selfish. Use your freedom to be free from the relational ties, the relational boundaries um, of this world. Don't be loyal. To people, be loyal to yourself, and so Jesus becomes, Jesus becomes really this other thing that you you sort of put on. Uh, he calls it operaism. You put on to find yourself. Really, that's who, that's what Jesus is here for, not to connect you to other people and to Himself. Um, be self-governing and have a, a deep mistrust of whatever looks like authority, authoritative. Have a deep mistrust for that. Real deep mistrust. It comes out in how we actually talk about our politicians. Right? So, let's talk about the first point, James chapter 4, verse 1. Well-known verse um, about responsibility. Right? Where are we? Romans, Hebrews. She brews, we brew. James chapter 4, where do wars and fight come from among you? Don't they come from the desires for pleasure that war in your members or your bodies? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet, but you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you don't ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasure. A famous preacher, Andy Stanley, he puts it this way. The reason why we're having so much contention and fighting is because I'm just not getting what I want. (laughs) I don't like that I'm not getting what I want. And that's why we're fighting. And when I ask what I really want, I ask, amiss, and so I don't receive because I just want to spend it all on my selfish pleasure. So that creates tension in relationship. another counselor um named chip jard he 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 puts it he puts it this way he said uh gives a scenario and he said um sometimes if if I receive uh, a couple that's coming in for counseling and and the husband like like you know and this is where he's exaggerating, saying like every christian husband's known, Uh, know the verse in the Bible that says, wives, submit you to your husband. But I said, if that ever happened, um, I would actually reach across and slap the guy's face. Why is that? Because the question that would follow would be, are you taking care of your responsibility to her? Don't you dare quote a verse like that if you are not willing to lay down your life. And so the whole idea with responsibility in James is he's he's saying to us, go to God. Go to God with your needs. That I shouldn't expect something from Gary that I'm meant to get from God. It's going to create tension and frustration and place him in the spot where he actually cannot meet my need. He can't meet my need. So go to God. That's our personal responsibility, to go to God. There is a research team, the Barna Group, that does research, and they talk about the fact that um, 20 some, in the 20-something-year-olds, one in ten are a resilient Christian. Resilient meaning they're going to go the long way. And one of the things that they found amongst the fact that these guys are actually really deeply connected intergenerationally within the community of church that they belong to is that they have a personal devotional relationship with Jesus, They read their Bible consistently, they pray, and they worship, not just on a Sunday, but personally. And so your relationship with Jesus is where you receive a majority of the needs that you're going to need for your spirit. And if you imagine a circle for a second around you, your personal space, we call it in the West. Imagine that circle, everything in that circle is your responsibility. So I'm not responsible, my wife is not responsible for me feeling loved. I get that from Jesus. It is her responsibility to be loving and kind to me. If I don't feel that, that's not her responsibility. I know I have the love of God inside of my circle. Because the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5, it says the Holy Spirit is in us and He's pouring out like a tap that's still open, that's still going. He's pouring out the love of Christ in us. That's how we know that love that, that love is, is in us. And so I'm not responsible. And perhaps for you, you've got to know that you are not responsible for somebody else feeling loved, the feeling. Yes, you're responsible to love them, but you're not responsible for them feeling loved. Love, because it comes from God first. That's part of our responsibility. When, when, when we look to other people for the things that we're supposed to get from Jesus, we, we can miss Jesus in the moment. I read from John chapter 5, and interesting that Jesus asks this man who's been there for 38 years, do you want to be made well? What a silly question. Well, of course I do. But maybe I don't because I don't want the responsibility that comes with it. That God has given me my health and vitality, so I'm going to need to take care of my body, therefore, in because I relate with other people through my body. All right? Do you want to be made well? Don't miss Jesus because you're busy looking for other people to fulfill that need. Don't miss him. The other thing as well with this is that um, I'm really going into expectation management, managing our expectation of one another. Perhaps God, uh, this is something that I said to myself, um, is that perhaps God sometimes needs to save pastors from the expectation of their um uh, of their of their people of their flock. Uh, because here's here's the idea here's the idea where this came from and the example from my life is that I was working a lot with um still I'm working a lot with herding people and um after a while it got really overwhelming and uh, I, I thought man my pastors could make a real difference here. Where are they? Where are they? Got really frustrated after a couple of months, and then I sent a strongly worded email. Where are you? Can't you see this hurt? Don't you see the walls with holes in them? And so they were gracious, Pastor Scott and Pastor Josh, they were gracious. to had a conversation with me, and, you know, we worked it out. But I didn't know that it was my personal responsibility to go to God with those frustrations, and say, God, do something. (laughs) Whatever area you're in, whether you're working with your mother or your father, wherever you're in, ask God to do something. You know, Pastor (laughs) Pastor Scott used to do this all the time. He used to be like, you know, there's no way I can take JL with me and play a worship song before I do an altar call in my workplace. It's just not going to happen you set the mood and the atmosphere. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's true. So that means I got to go to God. It also means that I've got it, I've got I'm responsible to do my part in worshiping Jesus and living according to what he's called me to. Right? And that's my responsibility. And so how this plays out in our relationships is if my mouth belongs to Jesus, as it says in Romans, give your body as a living sacrifice, if a mouth belongs to Jesus then I must speak well of you because he speaks well of you. I must encourage you because he's encouraging you. He's uplifting you. And as I take that on, as I give my mouth to Jesus and I say, please speak through me, then I can release life to you. And I don't have to try and work out, you know, where we are, how you making me feel, whatever. I don't have to work it out. Uh, let's move on. Acts 2, chapter 42. Our second point is commitment to community. As Jesus becomes our foundation, He connects us to the body. His body, in fact. When the day of... No, 2.42. And they... Continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Other translations said, say they devoted themselves. This is the stickability bit. I can't devote myself for others, but I can devote myself on behalf of myself to stick it with you, to stay around, right? Um, I said to Karina "With something that was like, it it occurred to me not too long ago that I haven't actually had somebody um, who was uh, my age walking with me uh, probably for about six, seven years um, like a brother, right, my age. And so it, it just occurred to me not too long ago that, oh, I actually haven't had that. Why have I stuck around? That's because I've got fathers and mothers right here, brothers and sisters right here. Like, I don't need to have somebody... Who is in my generation to be with me all the time because you get me, bro? Like, no. I stick around because I've got fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters in here. That the family of God, the multitude that John saw, it's not just blood related. It's not just my age. It's Pastor Bob, right? It's Hope, it's Esther. It's you, Pete Wigan. That's who it is, and we're not the same age, but I can talk to him, we can sit down, we could have a cup of coffee or tea, right? Commit to community. A 1944 American study, which was completely unethical, took 40 babies conducted an experiment which had to be stopped halfway through, you might have heard about this, where they got nurses to come in and to change and to feed babies and not give them any more than what was only necessary. So um, what's interesting is it had to stop because half the baby has had passed do you see the epidemic in our society? They, 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 they had talked about how the fact that these babies had just given up. And even two more, once they moved, uh, they stopped and they moved them into, um, uh, out of the experiment, um, two more died because they had just given up. It's not like a physical thing, it's a spirit thing, right? That there is something that we share when we interact that I cannot get through a screen. I just cannot. I just cannot get it. The relational energy that God has placed inside loving relationships, we just cannot get any other way. And parents, by the way, research is saying that you're about number five to six on your level of influence of your children today. Social media is up there. Commit to community over which Jesus is King. Pastor Dave Ryder from Year Spring Church says, um, Christianity is meant to say in how we live, this is what it looks like for Jesus to be King. That the love of Jesus is among us. And it's here to change people. And it's in us to change people. And as we affect one another, we go on mission, a mission to To add more to his family, to add more to him. He wants more people to be added to his body. So let's not find ourselves in the place where because we're not going to Jesus, we leave the church and we add to the voice that's condemning his bride. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. He's coming back for his bride. Let's let's stick around. Commit to community, commit to get vulnerable. Shane Claiborne, a a really famous social activist, says this. He says, um, "If you're the church, you need to stay in the proximity of pain. Like you need to let somebody else's life affect you. Their pain, their their hate that they feel because they've been going through stuff. Stay there, in proximity. Stay in proximity." And he said one of the ways that you can you you can then um, minister to the love of Jesus is, um, yes, go and feed the poor. Or maybe you bring one poor person inside of your home and have a meal with them. Maybe once a week. Maybe once a fortnight. And then as they are impacted by that love, you say, do you have a home? Right? Why don't you go do exactly the same thing to someone else? And then it multiplies. And it multiplies. That's what Jesus said to the demoniac with 6,000 plus demons. Jesus, let me follow you. Great, go tell other people what God has done for you and do the same for them. Commit to become vulnerable with people. Romans chapter 12 says, don't pretend to love others. Risk being hurt by another person. Risk being hurt by another person. Please risk being hurt by another person. And And as you are vulnerable, Because the love you carry, the love we carry collectively is strong enough to make room for them. And the God who lives inside of us is big enough to heal those relational wounds. If he is not, let's get a fresh perspective of who he is. So stick around. When it gets tough, don't just connect. Your consistency... In relationship determines the connections that you'll make, but it's your vulnerability that is going to determine the level of intimacy you experience. And the last point really is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21: submit to one another because identity is formed in community. When I receive from God what He has for me, and He places me inside of His body, I've got to submit myself to Body. Now this goes against secular thinking because well we're just all equal, but we're not really when you think about it. I cannot speak to Pastor Bob like I do to hope. Right? I will not speak to my mother (laughs) like I speak to my wife. That's what happens in community, is that I don't become the centre of the universe. And it also means that some things that people will say will not be very nice to hear. But sometimes it's the wisdom of God through people that is calling us back to Him that way. Christ-like identity is formed in family. One of, one of the root words um, in Hebrew that is used for submission is connected to the picture of a camel bending down to drink water. And so, like, you got to get on your knees and then drink down. What does that mean? We lower ourselves. We humble ourselves. Maybe God can speak through one another. And if I do not expect that God would speak through you, would move through you, and that I would receive from you, then I'm actually missing out on some of the things that God might want to do through you. For some of us here, it actually means that you need to step out and actually start to activate your gift, Mercy, serving, giving, generosity, um, prophet, teacher, whatever it looks like. Just step out. Step out and do it. Commit, Submit to God's family because it's the ordained vehicle for God's reconciliation to the world. Reconciling the world to himself, 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20. A lot of people want to go out and start social movements from for themselves and connect to this and connect to that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, do you understand, though, that the greatest impact that will be on the, in the world is as we move as one out with the love of Christ and our good deeds, with the love of Christ and our good deeds, and we reach out to a generation. Submit to the reality of your dependence on others. Resilient Christians, as research says from the Barna Group, resilient Christians are engaged in long-lasting, multi-generational relationships. You know, even Jesus had had to actually come back at 12 years old. Mom, I'm about my father's business. He had to go back home and submit to his mother and father until he was 30, and it's like go. Submit to honoring one another by bringing what God has placed in me and receiving what he's given to you. The Barna Group talk about this and say, um, the reason why we have so technology is taking over everything is because why should I ask people around me who are older, um, etc., about relationship problems that I'm having or navigating mental health or dealing with pressure at work or finding my passion again or dealing with an unruly, disobedient child, or learning to honor parents, or staying in high school, or making marriages work, or aging well, staying focused on Jesus, when I can just Google it. Why should I? And if I step out and I ask you, hey, what do you think, I really hate school, or I really hate my parents, or this child is just, no. Why should I do that? I risk embarrassment. I risk vulnerability. I risk, like, so many things. But Google won't judge me. It won't. And that's why we don't risk it. So it's my responsibility to go to God, to commit to his body, to make room for his family to impact my heart and my life. As I position myself, as we position ourselves like this, I do my part. We do our part in working with God to navigate towards healthy relationships. I'll tell you this story and I'll finish here. Um, I, when I was doing my internship, we used to spend. I spent a lot of time with Luke Wiseman. And um, he is the complete different personality to me. Uh, I'm more of a melancholic, you know, those artists who are always moody. Um, that's my past. Yes, um, I feel the acceptance. <laughs> um, so I was very moody as a kid. My emotions just threw me wherever they wanted um, or I allowed them. And and so some of the things while I was going through uh, some depression is that I would be with Luke and I would say some things because, you know, I was vulnerable. Um, and so I would say some things like, man, I don't really feel like God loves me. And then he would come back, like, can you just give me an aw? Right? That's hard. And he's over here, completely different. He's like, don't be silly. Like, dude, can you just think about it a little bit? Like, don't be silly? What? Like, feel my pain, bro, (laughs) is what I was looking for. And when he would say that, internally, I would just be like, that's not very nice. That is so not very nice. And I'd just be like, Father, he has wounded me. He has wounded me. He has wounded your son. I could just see the fury in heaven, God going, wait, what? I thought we got him out of the grave. Like, did you roll the stone? Yeah, we did roll the stone. No, your, your adopted one, not your begotten one. That's who he's wounded. And I'd be like, God, send down angels to take him out. I can't take this opposition. But you know what? <laughs> he ride me up the wrong way, still does. I love him to bits. I love him to bits. I had to go away with that and go to God and say, God, I know Luke doesn't hate me. He's not out to kill me. He's not out to destroy me emotionally. We've been through stuff. We served together. Could you be trying to say something to me through him? And I had to submit myself to perhaps the wisdom of God was coming through his mouth. The sense that I had for some of us is that we need to stop trying to manage other people's emotions for them. For others here, your healing is perhaps connected to who you are connected to and their faith. When Jesus saw the man being lowered from the house, from the roof, he healed him because of their faith, not his faith. There are some people now that are starting to speculate that perhaps some types of mental health can actually can actually be healed over time through loving relationships, like you. And research is going into that. I'm really excited about that. So would you please, would you please, go to God, commit to community, commit to community, and submit to one another. <coughs>